Hi everyone, good morning. My name is Dam Larry and we are here again. This is <laughs> this is Tech 40. Bytes 40. That's a massive landmark. So we are not fools at 40, we are adults at 40. And thousands of followers I, I and listeners. Know what I just <laughs> like I was, I was trying to get what, what, what were you saying? What was this guy say? And uh, we are not just adults at forty. If I if I can steal your your statement now, yeah. we are also thousands of followers at forty. Thousands mm. of listeners at forty. Drum rolls, drum rolls. Yeah, and Again, that's and that's massive. <laughs> so we just want to take one minute to say thanks to everyone who was tuned in to this podcast at one point or the other. We hope you had learned something. And we hope to still keep bringing you something new mm. for definitely 100 more episodes. 200 more episodes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, my name is Damilari, as always. All right. And I have here with me Omole. Mm. Hi, Omole. Hi, everyone. Mm. Mm. So, this week was very busy for us at TechNext. Yes, I mean, yes. we had the TechNext convo, convo yeah. which was like a meetup for top guys in the space yeah yeah sea level you know so it was it was big it was big if you were not there you missed out what what were you doing bro you should you should be at the next one yeah would be unveiling details as soon as they are ready so you could just watch our space and uh, you would know yeah all right sure just to remind you tech bytes is brought to you by tech next and tech next is a tech media platform so we hope technext24.com you can go there to listen to news reports analysis and all the others anything that concerns the tech space so tech next is focused on storytelling for the tech space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah today we'll be having a, an interesting conversation all right our conversation will be about the effect of internet shutdowns in africa uh we'll be looking specifically at senegal yeah. uh, as a case study because their internet is currently shut down and we have a guest in the house who we will be having these conversations with an expert we'll be having these conversations with so if you want to listen to her just hold on for 10 minutes while Rui takes us to the moon okay hi hi again <laughs> <laughs> so yes the first one is about um, the uber and boat um, drama um, so the uber and boat um, um, association have said um, the managers of Uber and Bulls will stop blackmailing uh, them. <laughs> stop using passengers to blackmail them. Uh, so yeah, both said they're going to add six thousand naira to the um, you know their rates, and um, the drivers are saying no, <laughs> that's not enough for you know. So the reason is um, the there's a removal, they removed the first subsidy, mm-hmm. and uh, everything has jacked up like everything. Times three. Go to the market now. So they are asking for, you know, more, um, first of all, they are saying Uber should reduce their uh, percentage, commission, which is 25%, maybe reduce it to 10% or something. And they're asking Uber, um, Uber to, to, you know, increase the fares so that um, they, uh, you know, as, <laughs> as, as the tides are going, as they are buying yeah. <laughs> more fuel, they are also, you know, getting yeah. money. So a lot, a lot of them have actually parked their cars, even without. Yeah. Um, so so yesterday I took, I took a ride and the guy was explaining to me that before, um, uses 1,000 naira fuel, all right, to make trips. You know, he manages it and he makes like 5k. But now he buys 5,000 naira fuel, which is just about the same thing, but it just makes about uh, 6,000 naira. So that's like 1k extra, and that's coupled with the fact that Uber and Bolt will still take their stuff. It will still pay some 
that like levies or whatever and so it's not working it's not working yeah but it was like what would he do so i think many of the riders currently working at that point of what would we do like yeah. what would they so do so in Ibadan, what they do is they, they, they actually use the apps to um, um respond to requests mm -hmm. from riders but what they do is when they get to the riders they ask they tell them hey we cannot collect two five for for this trip <laughs> if you can pay five thousand we'll go if not you have to cancel the trip uh, so yeah so ibrahim ayuadi of the amalgamated union of app-based transport workers said it should stop blackmailing us with passengers we demanded that app companies should subsidize trip fare for the rider by at least five percent to cushion the effect of increase in price we also demanded that they slash their commission why are they not talking about those? They are selfish. They only think about their business and the money they are making. It never comes to their mind that app drivers are going through a difficult time. Let's go mm. to the next one. Um, NIBS slashes electric transfer fees from 5 Naira to 3.75 mm. Naira. Effective July 1. Yeah, this is good. Have you? <laughs> yeah, this is good. Well, um, that's like a 35% um, decrease. So, mm -hmm. yes, uh, NIBS is the Nigerian Interbank um, Settlement System. Uh, they announced a significant reduction in their electronic transaction processing fee for instance payments effective from July 1st. That's um, in a couple, uh, couple of weeks. Um, the managing director and chief executive officer of NIBSS, Premier, said that the development was in line with the NIBSS commitment you know, to drive financial inclusion and support innovation. He said the scheme would also be embarking on a volume-driven discount regime to complement the, the fee reduction as further details will be communicated in due course. Um, um, so yeah, this is actually good because 40% mm -hmm. of Nigeria's adult population is still unbanked without the bank and even the ones that are, are banked you know <laughs> they are underbanked <laughs> you know how we have underemployment there's, there's a reason why people are running to the opes the kudas yeah. with free transfer they charges instead. yeah they are free transfer charges so if this is reduced i'm sure banks would also have to reduce their yeah, own rates of course so bank currently like 10 10 era for um transaction less than five thousand so yeah. maybe to come down to like five eight naira or something so, or five naira so. Amen. because i don't use i don't use banks so once i get uh, money uh, um, money is deposited in my account i go to all this i just distribute all this fintech. fintech guys because it's either it's either they are free or their fees are less or they are faster exactly they are even faster so why i buy using a bank that would waste my time mm. and still collect so much money um, but can we say this okay another conversation <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say this administration have kind of so far been putting like some of the right steps yeah, yeah. policies policies uh, but he said he said you should allow the port to breathe hit the ground running <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the next one. So Hall two two four seven secures three million funding. It's been a while we talked about funding mm -hmm. on, on podcast, yeah. this podcast. But yes, Hall two four seven. They are a unique platform for businesses to seamlessly book trucks and warehouses um, across multiple geolocations in Africa using real time technology. So yes, they've secured a three million dollar seed funding. Um, they say they want to drive innovation in Africa's um, logistics um, industry. Mm, this is interesting yeah i think i think i think the logistics industry is actually growing very fast yeah but because fintech is always top overshadowing of and, yeah. and everything i i think there was a peak period for logistics company and that was when that afcta afcfta yeah. agreement was in place and and things like that like 
I know the likes of Cobalt 360, um, Sam. So it's an Africa-wide thing. It's like everybody across yeah, Africa. Yeah, everybody was trying to jump on it. But after some time, COVID struck them. Yeah. And they are like, because people were not really But they are really things. growing. And that's, but that's, they are growing. That's quite yeah, interesting. That, that's, and it's also a sigh of relief that Africa is not about fintech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other guys are raising seed funding of $3 million. Before, a few years ago, that was only fintech money. Exactly. If, you you are, if you're not fintech, you can't do that. Uh, all right, next one. Nigeria, South Africa, and Kenya rank among top 100 for global online trade reports. It just, it just, it just um, reminds us of the um, podcast where we talked about um, cybersecurity yeah. and yeah. how people should protect themselves online. We know the internet you know, is like a town hall now. Different. <laughs> where, everything, where everything happens. But we also need to ensure that we are protecting ourselves. Mm. We are not, um, yeah. I know that I saw... Um, a data that said it's five percent of um, cyber threats were caused by the um, user. Um, I think yeah, majority of it are always user. Either you click on a link, you reveal too much yeah. information. It's like somebody, very real occasions some, that someone actually and, acts, acts. Somebody comes acts. to you and says, um, "Please drop your mother's maiden name and yeah. follow me, and follow me to win." Five hundred dollars, and you do you, you do, do that. that? Like some people say, drop your account, drop your VPN, you? <laughs> drop your date of birth. These are micro, micro um, KYC information yeah. you're dropping, right? Someone knows your date of birth already, knows your account number, knows the bank you use, literally maybe knows your BVN, knows your brother's name, your mommy's name. What was what's left? So yes, um, according to. Um, GTEx, uh, that's 2023 um, report um, by Kaspersky Security Network. Um, uh, they revealed that um, Nigeria ranked 50 worldwide for online threats. South Africa ranked 82nd, while Kenya found itself as one of the African countries with the most threats, ranking 35th. Mm. So South Africa experienced 106 backdoor and spyware attack attempts in Q1 2023. That's the first quarter of 2023. Kenya encountered a peak of 143,000 similar attacks. The report highlighted that 8.7% 8, 8. of African users encountered phishing attacks in 2022. 8.7% may look small, but it's actually lots, it, yeah, it lots. It's, it's millions. We are, we are oh, more than 1 billion in Africa. Yeah, so you're so talking means, about millions. You're talking about well tens over, of millions. Yeah. Maybe about 100 million. Sir. So again, we're asking that you protect yourself. Don't Please click on do. links. Please. Don't share um, KYC information. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's personal information. BVN. Yeah. Don't, don't also just take pictures of things that are around you. Your ATM cards, exactly, your, yeah. your phone, your bank card, screenshots. You know, you just want to show how much you have. All those mm. kind of, as much as possible, just just try to avoid protect it. Protect yourself, exactly. The internet is, is a wild place. Mm. Yeah, so this is the one that drove conversations on um, Twitter yeah, this week, this was especially huge. in Nigeria. I know it was an Africa-wide thing. People mm-hmm. in Ghana were talking about it. Yeah. People in SA were also talking about it. But this one was mostly Nigeria. So Tingo Group denies them fraud allegations. So Tingo Group is, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to I don't remember. know how to define I'm it. trying to remember the board of directors now. One of them is a popular person, but we'll mention names here. Yeah, so Tingo okay. Group has denied the fraud allegations outlined in a report published by Hiddenburg Research. So the fintech firm, founded by a Nigerian entrepreneur, came under scrutiny after allegations from Hiddenburg Research sent Tingo's group share price crashing. I know it, mm. it crashed. Uh, my, I saw minus, zero point zero. I saw minus fifty five percent at some point. Yeah, <laughs> it went to zero point zero eight dollars. Wow, that's like it's eight cents. Well, is, is, this be- cents? is this best time to buy their shares? Do you think you ever okay? <laughs> Let me not talk. But so, <laughs> in responding to the allegations, Tingo Group said um, 
Tingo Group refuted the malicious and misleading allegations that we're quoting them now mm-hmm. in um, Hindenburg research report describing the allegations as baseless. The report, which contains numerous errors of fact together with misleading and libelous content, appears to be a deliberate attempt to undermine the positive work that Tingo Group is undertaking across various worldwide markets. Mm. That's what uh, Tingo Group said yeah. in their statement. But you know, this is not the first time that people are actually insinuating that single group is yeah fraudulent. i think i think the first time that happened was when they were they had a press not presser or like they had a story up on bloomberg mm-hmm. yeah and bloomberg was like they were looking to raise some hundreds of millions yeah yeah okay yeah yeah and I they were looking to also list on nasdaq or something like, people were like i think this is a nigerian company I think they're, listed they're currently now. listed now but this was like early last year or something yeah. people were like this is a nigerian company how come we don't know? We don't know. So, you're a Nigerian company and we don't know. And you say you... you we okay. literally don't know what they do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read the report and they had, these guys say they have lots of arms, lots of companies. Tingo Pay, Tingo D, Tingo Die, even the DMCC. And Where is their office, first of all? Apparently, they have offices. <sighs> but the report... Without, and, okay. without signboards or what yeah without signboards somewhere scanty that's already a red flag somewhere not in operation that's already a red flag yeah Um, so tingo group was accused of exceptionally obvious um, scams with completely fabricated fabricated um, financials yeah the report alleged that the company sought to sell products it didn't have including mobile phones (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. food processing and an online food marketplace for farmers primarily located in Nigeria. Yeah. None of that exists. None they, of say that. They, are, they say they have about 12 million or 18 million farmers on their role. And I'm thinking, if we had 18 million farmers in this country, farmers will make more money. Who, who, <laughs> Our lunch will, will not, not be, be worried. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not be worried that um, uh, tomato is going to increase now. Bro, it's Because there's going, to be, there's going to be competition. And, and they say they have them on their payroll and major agri guys in the space mm. came out to say nobody in this country nobody has yeah. 18 million farmers on their payroll even if there are 18 million farmers for me nobody. If, I can't fi- if i can't find your office with a signboard in on maybe okay something on the building or a signboard that says this is t- uh, t- and the crazy thing is many of the partners many of the people many of the associations that they have partnered with mm-hmm. according to them have all come out to deny it at some point or the other. FCMB denied it. The association, farmer association groups denied it. I think I saw it under bank too denying yeah, it. Yeah, everybody has been denying it. Even their distributors for for uh, for the phones that they say they give to farmers and all of that have also denied it. So everyone has been denying. So if everyone is denying, where's the product? <laughs> Non-existent. Oh, what can we say? Well, <laughs> all right, that's the end of the news segment. Um, that means all Back right you. thank you very much we hope uh, you got informed about one or two and to read more you can just go to technext24.com technext24.com yes what you <laughs> <he> said <laughs> all right so the conversation of today um uh, so we're going to be talking about internet shutdowns a threat to democracy if you're just listening in or tuning in um t- so to this podcast we'll be talking about the internet shutdowns and the implications for the democracy in Africa specifically. All right. So in recent times, internet have sort of become a new basic amenity. I mean, before growing up, it used to be um, shoe, uh, clothes, Housing. shelter, food, yeah. water. Okay, water is powerful. Yeah. Which other one again? I think those three. Clothing, housing, food. Food, yeah. But 
I, I can say that internet is now. No, internet is the fourth. The fourth, it's the fourth one now. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> actually, everything we do these days yeah. has revolved around internet. And post COVID, it has only gone up, not down. Because post COVID, people have come to the discover that many of the things that we always want to do physically yeah. can be done online. And this has made connection, communication, and, you know, digital nomadi there's uh, a life there so there's a virtual life and there's a physical life exactly the virtual, the virtual life is i think it's like 70 30 now uh-huh. because a lot of relationships are happening yeah. on the internet i mean everybody to, is launching vrs ars yeah. interconnection there's a marketplace metaverse so this is this is the internet is is a world yeah and being cut off from it literally means you are you're denied your basic human rights basic fundamental human rights yeah yeah and but what we've come to find out is African governments, okay, let me not call names now, but African governments, all right, wield this power, all right, and, you know, they've been using internet shutdowns to stifle um, conversations. Free speech. Yeah, free speech, conversations online. We, we had our fair share in Nigeria as well, uh, Twitter shutdown I mean, in 2021, all right, which it wasn't rolled back until like 2022. So it's for like eight months or there about. I, I just feel like they, they rolled it bad because, you know, Ele- election. Yeah, it was election, period, primaries and so all that. So they needed to coming. use the same platform that, you know, they to showed To do them. campaigns and all of that. And, I mean, that was the case in Nigeria. We've had other cases across the continent where, even across the globe, where people are protesting against the power and the government is using that to to to. So, that so news doesn't sleek. get out. News doesn't get out. People are not able to talk about their experience. They can't. They can't, um, they can't share. They can't mobilize themselves can't because sh- I I remember NSAS. You know, it was through the internet that you know people were able to. Okay, we are meeting here. We are meeting there. It was mm-hmm. through the internet. Yeah, it was. It was, and all of that. But uh, and the recent case now that that made us want to have this conversation is that of Senegal. All right, for the last couple of days, uh, the internet has been shut down. Yeah, and you know. People are complaining, people are talking, but it feels like it's pretty much a norm in Africa, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, which is why we're going to be having this conversation today. And to join us, we have Aisha Dabo, uh, she's the co-founder of Africtivists, an African league of bloggers and cyber activists for democracy. As we delve into the intricacies of internet shutdowns, their impact on freedom of speech, their impact on access to essential services, and you know the long-term stability of democratic institutions because i mean a shutdown is literally one step away from an autocratic nation all right uh so yeah it's going to be an exciting conversation and we have aisha with us hi aisha hello aisha uh, hi how are you yeah doing? we're good we're good trust you've been good as well yes uh, tired but <laughs> we're good all right all right thank you for joining in today thank you for joining in. Mm-hmm. all right all right so so we'll, i'll we'll go straight into the conversation i'll start and then uh, we'll take out our question so so first off i would go straight uh so in your opinion all right what how do you think how do you understand the effect of 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 internet shutdowns on democratic processes you're using case using senegal as a case yeah study. senegal in particular yeah um okay um our organization has been um fighting against internet shutdown and throttling social media blockage blockages since i would say um early 20 
2012, 2013, when in West Africa, actually, the Gambia was the first country to pass a law that was specifically dedicated to um, try to control uh, the internet uh, and making it uh, legal in a way by having a law. Um, of course, when we talk about, as you said earlier, internet is part of life now, it's a commodity. And um, the rights we have uh, in real life are the same rights that we have online. And it's the role and responsibility of governments in, in general to make sure that actually the fundamental rights of citizens are upheld online. Um, we would say there's a kind of a internet boom the past decade because um, there's of course misuse of internet, that's a fact. But that comes with um, lack of um, digital education or digital literacy for many people. Because it doesn't mean that because there is internet, it's a no man's land. As a citizen, you have rights, you have responsibilities. And um, yeah, you shouldn't be involved in anything that's subversive or would create chaos into the country. So in the case of Senegal, actually, Senegal is considered as one of the um, uh, the, the, the bacons of uh, democracy on the continent, yeah, because of peace. on mm -hmm. Africa. Yes, because of the peace in the country. Despite all the challenges the country has gone through, there have never been a coup. There have been regular elections. Just to remind that Senegal has been having elections since the 19th century because there were French uh, specific, some parts of Senegal actually, citizens of part of Senegal had the French nationality and they did take part in, in vote, in, in, in elections. So it's a tradition of going to elections that dates back before independence. So the situation we have today actually is um, more and more Africans and um, young people in general are using uh, the internet. In Senegal, between 70 and 75% of the 17, 17 post million um, population are uh, young people are considered young people so everyone is online and the government actually um, decided to shut down the internet um, partially um, for two days it, it was lifted after two, two days because um, they said it was a way for them to to to, <laughs> to control hateful and submissive messages just yeah. to give a background information on June 1st, um, there's a, one of the leading, uh, let me say the leader of the opposition actually had a case going on since 2021 over an alleged rape. So on June 1st, the verdict came out. Um, he was um, the, the, he was accused of rape and um, death threat. So the judge um, acquitted him of those two charges, but um, came up with a new one and sentenced him to two years for corrupting youth. So that's what got young people angry and they came out in the street just to protest because um the judiciary actually for some time now has been seen as not being fair and being partial uh, when it comes to giving out verdicts and since maki came to power this is the third uh, opposition leader and possible uh, major challenge in a presidential election to his rule that has been sentenced so it's seen as a, um, as the judiciary being used to make sure that um, candidate considered threats are not uh, cannot take part in the in, in the presidential elections. So 
that's that's what it is. It's not just people who are against the um, the fact that Sonko was um, was sentenced, but there are also people who had other grievances like um, unemployment, like frustration of seeing a section of, uh, of the population closer to the ruling coalition party living large, while other people having have difficulties actually having two meals per day. So there's a lot of frustrations and the instrumentalization, that's a word used, of the judiciary that has led to the massive protests. Uh, as of yesterday, 24 people have died in these protests and mostly by bullet wounds, uh, life rounds were shot. So in a way, um, some of the mobilization was done online and um, people were just, you know, rec filming and sharing online what was happening on the ground. And one specific important thing actually that was shared is some civilians in on unnumbered um, pickup trucks have been seen uh, working with the security forces shooting on um, civilians so recently the police came out and said that these were um, unidentified people who are not senegalese who were shooting but videos came out showing that actually the images that were shown, these were people who were working with the police. And there, there are a lot of um, fact-checking that has been done on that, but the police um, is maintaining that there's some unidentified um, forces, foreign forces actually, who have uh, who were in the protest and were being very um, violent with the weapons they were using. So it's a kind of, a, there's also the issue of mistrust between citizens and the government. Coming back to internet, um, um, before the partial uh, blackout, actually, there was um, Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, and um, and WhatsApp were blocked, and people could access those apps only using VPN. Um, and what had because there's a hashtag actually called Free Senegal, and um, there's can we take a big connect. Just... <clears throat> Hello, Aisha, can we just yeah. So. I... Maybe we should be specific now. Um, so how has this, how did the internet shut down, you know, the um, shutdown of social media platforms and the internet shutdown itself, how did it um, affect, you know, mobilize, things like mobilization and um, freedom of speech, you know, how, how did it um, affect, you know, expression, people trying to express themselves online? Yeah, because the thing is, when the um, social media um, application apps were blocked. People were using VPN and uh, be, were still being able to share. And what I was saying earlier is, Africa Connect was able to collect data and say that, you know, in three days there were 1.4 million tweets that were sent using the hashtag Free Senegal, and that's only on Twitter. So it shows that it was not effective. So when it comes to affecting um, people, because um, People, many people, economically, many people use WhatsApp to be able to sell, to be able to communicate. Um, there are some people who, for, who you know, use um, Facebook ad or Twitter uh, to work. So there's a problem. When there's a, a country is in a crisis, access to information is important. Because what we've noticed is there's a lot of manipulation from either side about what's really happening. So people who are in the capital or 
some people know about the VPN, but those who are far, far away in the community don't necessarily know about VPN, but they need to have information to know what's really going on. Because the information, partial information blackout actually is heightened by the fact that um, many media houses, um, maybe because of uh, being afraid of repercussions, are not reporting um, the issues happening on the ground as they used to. Senegal has always been known as a country where the media would report live on issues, and but the media is very polarized right now and people rely on social media in general to get a different kind of information and be able to make um, informed choices or decisions based on that. So it has impacted, partially impacted people. But when the blackout came in, if you didn't have a Wi-Fi at home or in the office, you wouldn't be able to have access. And that has impacted um, some people. And there was a friend who was joking and said, I am a, I am a, an internet uh, internally displaced person now because he, mm -hmm. <laughs> he uses, yeah, he uses a, he was using a modem a with a, a mobile data and he, he had to go to his parents' uh, house to be able to have a Wi-Fi and use the internet. The, the, the shutdown was between 12, 1 p.m. up to 3 a.m. You know, usually that's the time um, people would be online sharing, but people have, uh, we're finding alternatives um, to that also. I don't mm. think that it, this, the shutdown has been effective because it didn't help control anything. The hateful or subversive messages from either side continued. Um, people continue to share the videos of what was happening on the ground. Of course, because of the number of deaths, let's, let's, um, go back and say Senegal is not used to having this many deaths in just three days. If you look at the situation in 2021-2012, um, when um, President Ward wanted to, to, to seek a third term, um, the maximum, I think, um, depending on reports, some say we had during the whole process 14 people that dead or just um, uh, 20 maximum. And right now in three days, we had 16 and now we are 24 just in three days because there are people who were wounded and taken to hospital and they died afterwards and uh, so it didn't have the impact that was expected and on the economic side actually um it is reported internet black each time there's an internet blackout there's 8.2 million dollars that's lost in terms of economy in senegal mm. so that's a lot of money of course there were violence um properties public and private properties were damaged but um you know the expected the justification for shutting down the internet and blocking some social media app personally i don't think it, it had the expected effect uh, and so, the so fact that young yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, so how do international laws, you know, on internet shutdown, you know, or regulations that address internet shutdowns and say, uh, don't do, uh, internet is a fundamental human right. How do you think they prevent, you know, the, or do you think rather they prevent, you know, the government from um, shutting down the internet? Um, until now, international laws or um, has not been you know has not helped in a way because governments all around africa as i said earlier from 2012 
moving forward up to now governments have been making sure that all actions they were taking illegally and specifically that had to do with the internet they make it legal by getting it passed uh, as a law in parliament um, mostly it's put under the uh, the, the anti-terrorism um, act or the telecommunication act where it gives the the state the power actually to ask the um, uh, internet service providers to shut down um, uh, the internet for a number of hours or complete blackout. Um, when we talk about international, uh, another, um, actually, you, you know, you have the FOS court in, in Abuja that has ruled against um, Togo for the shutdown in 2017 and ruled against Nigeria for banning, for blocking Twitter specifically. So right now we are working on a on taking the case um, before the the the, the ECOWAS court, court. and um, because we don't need to take it to the local domestic court first, we can just go straight to to ECOWAS mm. because there was um, lack of access to information, um, freedom of expression, you know, and economic freedom, etc. Many many aspects actually and rights so, where Trump won with so this shutdown and the fact that social media. Web yeah, so mm. you mentioned economic. Yeah, so so you mentioned economic um, um, af being affected, the economy being affected, people not being able Millions to do things. Millions of dollars. All right, so how also was this shutdown af affecting vital services? I know you mentioned the period between 12 p.m. to 3 a.m. Yes. That the internet was being shut down. I'm sure they are going to be uh, telemedicines, healthcare services, yeah. insurance, the online educations, edtech, the even people that sell online. Yeah, and emergency communication, the press, the media. How are these guys able to uh, to navigate. to access the internet? How are they able to navigate? How did this affect them? Yeah, um, what everyone is saying because this is still fresh, so the impact. I mean, the details will come as we go. Um, uh, for instance, for the media, they said that, you know, when, because when you are on the field as a journalist, you need to be able to be in touch with your uh, media house. You need to, if you need to, you know, broadcast live, usually they do that using mobile data and they have not been able to do this. And the shutdown actually has affected those who are specifically, um, who are multimedia who are just online media compared to the others. And there's, um, just to mention, there's one TV station whose signal has been, was suspended during the protest. And um, they were, you know, using the internet to be able to broadcast. And people were accessing information using um, the internet to be able to have information. According to data, there is between 96 and 98.4% of the Senegalese population that uses mobile data. So it's a very, very wow. low percentage of the country that uses Wi-Fi. Um, this is the number of people who have access to, <clears throat> to internet. So everything is based on mobile data. Of course, um, the, the mobile transfer, money transfers were affected uh, during the shutdown. Some of them like uh, no publicity wave were able to find a way to use US USSD to be able to send and transfer money and um, for others they, they already had it but many people are so used to using the mobile app 
um, that uses internet that you know they don't necessarily know the code say so when you have it it has impacted all sectors actually of society and just to remind um, just to indicate that from the first actually there is no there was no school um, because wow. the country for three days were very very the, the, the tension was high it was three days of you know clashes crackdown and um you, many people actually people were more stressed than thinking about thinking about their survival than thinking about i need to go to school and mm. etc and unfortunately um during the protests and the clashes the university shehantajob one of the biggest university uh on the continent actually um there's a faculty that suffered a damage um of its archive they lost i think between 200,000 and 300,000 files that date from 19 uh, from the 1950 1956 or 57 to date that was burned so the the, the there's also that 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 aspect uh mm -hmm. of, of things coming back to the health um um part of it um because when people actually go to are taken to many 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 young people were arrested when they're taken to police stations etc um you know they don't necessarily have the means to contact um their parents and also if they there's in the private sector they use um up mobile applications to be able to manage uh, the, the 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 patient data etc they were affected unless they had a wifi in the country as i indicated there is a very small percentage of the country that uses wifi because people rely on on on, on uh, mobile internet and the mobile internet in senegal actually is one of the fastest it's still slow compared to what it should be given the number of fiber cables we have um here but it's very very good compared to many uh, countries so most people never saw the need to have a wifi because you already have a mobile data that's mm. working so, let, so let's talk uh, solutions perfectly. now let's talk solutions now if if you are possibly a table um, mm -hmm. with the government and um, you know want to phase out um, internet shutdowns we are looking at alternative um, strategies you know that governments can employ to address um, security concerns without you know resorting to internet shutdowns what would be those strategies you you know you would uh, you know lay before the table okay for us um there i mean i think for the past three years or four the president has been talking about managing social media passing a new sending to parliament a bill to be able to manage uh, social media what we have always said is we are not against regulating but we want a regulation that will uphold the basic fundamental human rights and in that in that we include that there's a serious need for digital literacy for people to understand because their their rights are being tampered by the government but there's some messages that are being shared online not necessarily in relation to this situation that we're living in that are very subversive and um and, and and i think if people really understood um what are their rights and responsibilities as citizens there's some type of messages that they would not share um so digital literacy is a big component of it there's the commission for personal uh, for private um how do you call it commission nationale des données personnelles cdp it's a 
commission in charge of managing um, personal data at national level. And they do, they don't have necessary, uh, they don't have much resources, but they've been doing digital literacy in schools. Um, another recommendation would for the government to increase actually uh, the funds that are given to the state they pay to be able to continue what they're doing. But apart from that, to include in the curricula actually digital literacy and um, civic education, speci specifically rights, citizens' rights, but also citizens' responsibilities. Um, because I think at all levels of schools, actually, and also do outreach campaigns that will go to the broader population who are not necessarily in um, um, Arabic schools or in French schools, go to markets, you know, raise awareness, sensitize people. There's a lot of, um, th there's a lot that needs to be done. And apart from that, another thing is actually this <clears throat> perceived or real un, uh, unfairness of the judicial system. Um, the, you know, the judicial system is the is the place you have three powers, basically the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary. And the judiciary is supposed to be the referee. If, as a citizen, I see that the referee is siding with someone. Um, I mean, I think there is, um, the judiciary is doing, is, I mean, has been a reference for years, but they, when it comes to certain cases, there's a perceived um, bias, real or not, but there's a perceived bias that, that's there. And maybe um, try to be more impartial. Um, there's a saying that say, a perception of bias can be considered as bias. So it's a different level. Another another thing also that's important actually, um, it's not it's those who are closer to the government and the ruling party who usually are also sharing just same subversive message, but they have also like the other parties very violent um, language online, and there is no none of them actually is being arrested, none of them is being charged, none of them is being tried. So it comes back to, you know, because you're closer to the government, there is nothing against you. At least there needs to be some fairness in in in, in making sure that we prevent, we don't go back to a situation where we will need to have another internet uh, blackout. It comes back to the thing. fact that basic and fundamental human rights should be respected. And as citizens from either party or side, we all have rights and responsibilities. And I wanted to add one thing. Um, Senegal is not known for this kind of situation, violence, or even going up to officially saying that you are shutting down the internet. And um, the image of the country is being tarnished. And from, from seeing other countries, what has happened in other countries, there are lines that you cross, there is no going back after you cross those lines. And it's very, very unfortunate that people, young people had to die. Another thing that doesn't necessarily have to do with internet, but I just wanted to give a context, is the fact that these young people are saying this opposition leader, Usman Sonko, has a vision of restructuring the system. And they believe in that vision. So now what they're saying, instead of going migrating, and dying in the Sahara or migrating and dying in the Mediterranean Sea. I would rather stay in Senegal, fight for what I believe in. And if I die here, 
I knew that I died for something, um, you know, a value. So when someone has nothing to lose, when a head of state, when you're in a country where young people are saying, I don't have anything to lose, I'm ready to die for the dream I have of seeing this guy getting uh, to power. There's a lot of um, reflect, reflecting to do, introspection to do. The government also has to readjust and review its approach, approach and the way they talk to the, the youth. Because these people, these young people actually believe in certain things, and you cannot just say that um, you are undisciplined. That's why you are doing this. That's not the language. I think that would make people not go out the next time. They that's, should that's, be. That's um, yeah. Yeah. The, the last one. The last one. Damn. Okay. So uh, in 2022, African countries le- lost 266 million dollars to internet shutdowns. All right. Um, I mean, I think leading the, the charts was Ethiopia. Then there was, there was Nigeria. Course, there was Nigeria and some other countries. Sudan appeared like a number of times, like different periods and stuff. I, I know you mentioned in your conversation now that this is like the first time Senegal will be doing something like this. Uh, it is not something that is Senegal is known for and all of Peace that. Peace and stability. Mm-hmm. Now that this has, has been done, what do you think would be the long-term consequences all right of this that has been done and maybe if there will be a reoccurrence in the future what what do you think would be the consequences on you know the democratic institution and the social fabric of, of both the youths and everybody in the country okay um i just want to add um this is the first time the government is acknowledging actually that they are shutting they, they they're doing a blackout in 2021 some there was some for some hours um, there was a. It was the, still the same uh, political case. <laughs> what can be done? I mean, um, in Wall of Days, a word that says that that said in the book, it's a kind of a, um, an introspection, a general introspection, because I think there is a generational divide between those who are ruling and those who, the, the majority of people. The, the median age in Senegal is 19 years, so it shows that there's a huge gap between, um, and these actually, the things that have happened have shown that there's a mis- actually, they don't understand each other. They don't speak the same language. They don't understand each other. I think what needs to be done now to prevent a reoccurrence is to resolve, first of all, this perception of an unfair judiciary. Two, another point that I didn't mention is the fact that um, the president actually, he hasn't declared it yet, but it seems that he's going to seek a third term. So that's one of the, uh, that's another big one. If he was to come out and say, this is my second and last term, I think it will resolve many, not everything, but many issues and will, it will prevent the violent uh, protest uh, that we, we've seen, the scale actually of it that, that we've seen. The third thing, um, there were between 500 and 600 people that were arrested, mostly from this the past step opposition party before the June 1st verdict and everything that followed. And uh, the police announced that in the three days they arrested about 500 people. Yesterday, many people were released. They were taken before the courts and they, some of them were bailed. Majority were released, especially they were mostly minors. 
I believe releasing all political prisoners will help ease the tension and prevent us, you know, having to be in a situation where internet will be shut down and people will be, be affected. The third thing is to organize free and fair election to have a, um, a level playing field actually for the candidates who are going to run for the February 2024 elections. So the internet usually is impacted by what's happening offline. So most of the, 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 the recommendations that I've given have to do with real life to prevent us you know, being in a situation where um, there will be internet shutdown, internet throttling or blocking, blocking social media platforms. All right. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Aisha, for the conversation today. It was an eye-opener. Uh, yeah. It was good to have someone on the ground talk to us about the the experience and what it means for the country and all of that. We really appreciate that. Uh, thank you. I know you are the co-founder of Africtivist. Afri Afri all right. <laughs> uh, do you want to maybe share your social media handles and all that so people can follow continue and conversation. continue conversations with you? Yes, my handle is M A S H A Nubian, Masha Nubian. That's my handle, and um, the handle of the organization is at Africtivist with E S at the end. And also, Happy Friday to everyone, and Juma Mubarak to my Muslim followers. Awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome! Thank you very much. Uh, mine is Actdown zero seven. I will go first this time. <laughs> but, and, Mine is just look for Omole Omori and you'll find it. All right. Uh, don't forget that this is episode 40 and Tech Bytes is brought to you by TechNext. TechNext is a tech media platform. You can check our platforms, technext24.com. And for Tech Bytes, you can listen to all the 39 other episodes on our platform Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere. YouTube, YouTube. Facebook. Just check it out and you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be disappointed. You wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you very much for joining in today. Uh, have an amazing week. Weekend. <laughs> <laughs>